0: everyone live from sunshine marketing place in melbourne australia you're listening to sunshine live and live my name is philo and my fellow co-hosts from sunshine college are elias nucky tokes Rocket, and hua so um Uh, hey rich early beginnings um what inspired you to start your career with combat sporting like boxing
1: um probably the start of it was more or less, having a bit of uh, adversity as a young kid. Obviously, yep. uh, a lot of, a little bit of school bullying, and when you got red hair and freckles, obviously you, you don't really uh, last too long in the schools uh, back in the day. But that was sort of more my part where I had to learn sort of self defence and and learn some sort of combat combat sport to protect myself, and and I uh, thought that was the way that I wanted to to go to get confidence and and skill. Yep. Did you? Sorry. So, uh, did did you self teach yourself? Uh, like no, no. Or did I you had get a coach. Yeah, and I had a had a lot of coaches throughout the time. Oh, yeah. um, some some coaches were like the karate coaches. Some some were boxing coaches. Some were Muay Thai coaches, mm-hmm. which is Thai boxing, and um, and just influences that they didn't really have to be uh, martial arts or combat sports coaches. It was more the influence they had on me uh, in in growing up and what was discipline you know what what you had to do to become someone yep. uh, in the combat sport to be you know special yeah. and great so oh. um,
0: can you just um give us a little of a background story on like how the training was was it tough was it easy um can you just talk us through that
1: uh, training was it was pretty much old school. Not, not a lot of stuff that they used to do uh, what they do these days in regards to strength conditioning. They do all these fancy moves, throwing balls against walls and all that sort of stuff, which obviously helps. But back in the day, it was more uh, just a lot of, lot of sparring, a lot of repetition of certain things. And then um, some crazy things we had to run up mountains with in bare feet oh, wow. uh, just to sort of know what, know what pain is and, and discipline and, and commitment. And uh, we done a lot of running around paddocks and you know, a lot of sparring on, on the street as well, which is not really called cool for these days. Mm-hmm.
2: How old were you when you began training?
1: When I become training, uh, when I sort of got over my sort of life adversities as a youngster, it was uh, 1991. So I was around 19 years of age. And uh, I thought that this is the time to, to do it. Yep. Like for you, like just a little bit of background information,
2: where, where did you like grow
1: up? I uh, grew up in all sorts of towns because mum and dad owned hotels. So mm. some, some were in Newcastle, some were in Mathara, which is a little Victorian um, sort of town. And then sort of mostly done all my growing up in Townworth, which is like a country town in New South Wales. Mm. And then uh, that's sort of where the fight career started in the bush and then. I basically went into the cities, Sunshine Coast, Newcastle, and uh, all over the world in Bangkok and in the US. Yep. Oh, could you share uh, some of the most memorable moments or achievements from your fighting career? Uh, I think for me, it wasn't really with the the fighting and the combat. It wasn't about titles or really massive achievements. The achievement for me was facing my fears in regards to knowing how to protect myself and, and learn self-defense. And then obviously once I started my fight career, which was over 54 fights over a, um, you know, over a period of 12 years with one loss and one draw. I think a lot of it come back to again the the childhood adversities that I went through, and the the main highlights was you know ach- achieving the winning was was great, but just the discipline and and becoming probably more of a, a decent human and decent more man. You as a person. What's that? Like morphing you as a person, like for what you are today. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was sort of more meaning. Oh, sorry, go on More meaning for me as a as a person, and obviously, uh, in my. Growing up, there was a lot of sort of distractions, obviously uh, in life when you sort of start to succeed in, in the sport, mm. um, but it was very, you know, I just, yes, I'd, I'd go off the rails sometimes, but it was more or less the discipline of the, the combat sport that kept me really uh, down to earth and, and uh, you know, on track. Um, can you describe how did um, you go from boxing
0: to the transition into coaching?
1: Um, I think once I sort of done all sorts of disciplines, I started off with like a kyokushin karate, then I went to boxing, kickboxing, Muay Thai. I think I was just interested, as I said before, once you red hair and freckles, you had to defend yourself at school. So all fighting back then was like I had to do that to survive. So once I'd done my career over a 12-year period and I got to an age where the body wasn't holding up anymore, then you sort of want to give back to the, the younger Um, youth or younger fighters in regards to my experience of traveling the world and training under some amazing coaches. So I just felt, you know, I wanted to stay in the sport of combat sport as well, but in business, everything from combat sport led me into business, led me into my relationships with high profile athletes and and coaching was just another love that I could just carry on without getting punched and kicked. Yeah. Um, So we've overheard that um, you have connections and know um,
0: Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson and all those people. Can you um, do a quick run
1: through on how you got to know them? Uh, firstly, the, we got invited, my brother and I got invited over to um, to Louisville, Kentucky just to have a look uh, at the Ali Center and we thought, oh, we'll go over to Ali Center and have a look but then obviously we got invited um Lonnie who's Muhammad Ali's wife said oh you know would you like to come to brunch at, at our house and I don't know how it all led to there but 2008 we'll sit in uh, Muhammad Ali's uh, lounge room having lunch with him and uh-huh. you know Lennox Lewis walks in and it was just you know we're like kids in a candy store we just couldn't believe who we we're talking to and couldn't believe you know I'd finally been sitting here with Muhammad Ali and, and meeting him so that was sort of like a big, a big personal thing for me Looking like, oh, like could you
2: give us like any funny like fun stories about like Muay Thai? Because uh,
1: oh, sorry, sorry. no, there's, there's all different. There's all different stories. Some some I obviously can't repeat on on radio, but um, but in regards to funny stories, there's there's a lot of uh, things that when I sort of come across the likes of like Mike Tyson and we got to hang out uh, with him, so it was that was a lot of uh, you know. Fun, fun times in regards to um, it, it's a it's a weird experience when you're with Muhammad Ali or, or Mike Tyson back in the day and you're sitting there having lunch or just getting to know them and then everyone walks past the cafe where we're sitting and the next minute there's cameras everywhere and you, it would be pretty crazy yeah and you turn you turn in to a friend who's just having lunch or breakfast with with those guys, next minute you turn into security because everyone wants the photos and everything else. So. Yeah.
0: yeah. If you are just tuning in and, and you're listening to Sunshine Live Live him from Live from Sunshine Marketplace in Melbourne, Australia, my name is Phila, and my co-hosts are Elias, Nucky, Tox, Tawake, and Hua. So um while growing up were you like taught any of nutrition's? because it was back then like 19 something
1: something yeah. <laughs> that was a long time ago yeah. um we weren't nutrition wasn't like it is today like there's all sorts of things for the body to take but back in the day it was you done your road running You've done your sparring and you are done your repetition work when it comes to your martial arts or combat sport to, to go over things a million times. So you get muscle memory and repetition. But uh, nutrition, we just would go, okay, Well, we'll eat a, eat a chicken, we'll eat broccoli, we'll eat a steak. We didn't really know back in the times, but um, you had to lose weight. So obviously you didn't eat when you were leading up to a fight. So yeah. you're trying to lose as much weight as you can to, to be light. But yeah, there's nothing like there is... Is these days? Oh, yeah. well,
2: UFC being like one of the biggest like fighting sports like so far, or not sports, but like to um, like advertise it. Is there any like fight like UFC legends that you get to meet that you got to like train maybe?
1: Yeah, I've been I've been lucky um, when I was sort of a striking coach for Kyle Noak, who used to be Steve Irwin's bodyguard back in the day when Steve was alive. And then he was—he moved over to Albuquerque, New Mexico, which is uh, Jackson Winklejohn was the name. It's not so, such a, a known gym now, but it used to be. And they had the likes of St. Pierre, Bones Jones, Holly Holmes, Michelle Waterson, um, Cub Swanson, all these big names in the UFC that were back in the day great in their time. Cowboy Cerrone, I got the opportunity to live out on his ranch um, just outside of Albuquerque, but... Over that time with Alistair Overeem and, and all those great legends of the combat sports, I was very fortunate enough to uh, stay over there, Diego Sanchez, to hold pads, to do some camps with them uh, and train them. So back in the, the time when I was there, I was um, some amazing, amazing sort of athletes. And then back in Australia with Ty Tuvasa and Mark Hunt, uh, Jake Matthews and Rich Walsh, and there's a few other great sort of great fighters in Australia too that I had the chance to um, to train and coach as well.
2: That's amazing.
1: Yeah. Like, uh,
2: oh,
0: sorry. Um so um as we know that um you've coached like some amazing stars. Um do you have any like um what's it called?
1: Inspiring words or um for any upcoming young youth athletes? Yeah so I think I think probably my only advice Uh, that I see that's happening today with with young fighters and and youth is, and whether it's the social media and the internet, everyone wants everything tomorrow. Everyone wants to be a superstar on on the social media tomorrow. No one's prepared to put in five years of hard work, running at four o'clock in the mornings when everyone else is asleep to do your hard work. And I think that's probably... To be great, you have to be obsessed with what you do. So whether you're doing podcasts, whether you're doing boxing, you really have to be obsessed with that thing. So that thing has to be your life. Whether you breathe it, sleep it, live it. That's that's my pretty much my only advice for uh the young ones today. Yeah. That's, good. that's really good. Do you reckon like um I'm
2: sorry, like kind of speechless because like you know all these stories and that. Um do you reckon like when you were, like, on the grind, like, in your prime, do you have any, like, fighting stories that, like, would be inspiring to others?
1: Yeah, probably um, the one fight that stands out, and this was, like, a more of a ring karate with Kyuk shin, and I was sort of young, but I was so dedicated to, and, and Kyuk Shin is a Japanese knockdown style, so there's no padding. So there's no shin pads, there's no gloves mm. on. you just one person stands in front of the other and and... Whoever drops first, obviously, he's, he doesn't win. The one who's still standing wins. But that time I represented Australia in uh, – it was like a ring karate, but it was Australia versus New Zealand back in the day. Oh, yeah. And I was only blue belt. So I was – even though I was obsessed and, and eager to, to show my skills as martial artist, but I was fighting someone else who was a black belt. And oh, wow. So that was, well, a big big jump up for me. So we went three rounds and uh, just the, the punishment – that my body took. Um, at the at first, they give it to the other other guy, the black belt, the win. But then, as I was getting out of the ring, they called me back and they give the win to me. The the judges mixed something up. But I really wasn't at that part. My shins were were so damaged, and my body was so damaged, and my mind was so exhausted from that from that fight. I sort of um, it really showed me my mental. Power and, and discipline that I'd been training for so long, and I, I think I laid in the dressing room for about two hours with <laughs> with ice on my shins and ice on my neck. And that, when everyone says, you know, you've been your body's been through pain. You know, my body went through a hell of a lot of pain in that fight, but my mental, my mental sort of was really at that point where I was like, man, I, I feel like I'm going to die, and that's that's where it comes from, just being obsessed with with your sport and or or whatever a career you're doing. How has life changed for you after retiring from professional fighting? Um, as a, with with coaching, it was really extending my extending my fight life because then I got to coach and pass on the knowledge that I have down to a younger fighters and, and youth but obviously growing then I obviously have two children uh, daughter and my son so again when you have a, a daughter uh, I always say a man always knows true love when he has a has a daughter because that that daughter is becomes everything to you. So my son and my daughter, um, yeah, raising those myself for a, for 12 years or so, and they've become beautiful adults. And and uh, these days I just do the coaching, but I've fallen back into love love with golf. So I spend most of my That's days good. out of the golf course. <laughs> do you reckon like? What do you reckon like? Do you prefer do you prefer golf or like fighting? Fighting will always be in my blood in regards to just seeing, you know, the real fighters and, and the ones who are really dedicated and got beautiful and great skill. And, like, hearing from, like,
2: your backstory and that of how you grew up and, like, how fighting was so big to you. Like, yeah. yeah. Were you able to, like, relate to any of the other, like, big-time fighters that you got to
1: meet? Oh, definitely, definitely, because a lot of the times when, when I used to do coaching with them, you'd be amazed how many people take up martial arts because... Whether they got picked on for bullying or abused as a kid or whatever it was, there's always a story behind why someone takes up martial arts. Um, so, you know, it could be just a self thing where, you know, they wanted confidence or discipline, but it was more of that just relating to other fighters and hearing their their backstories and, and it was pretty much relatable to mine. Was like, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, can you tell us
1: um, what was your why and why you kept pushing through, like, even times that. Like- you didn't want to, but you kept going? Yeah, I, think, I think it was the competitiveness in me, but I think it was from when I was growing up and I had that sort of uh, adversity with the abuse and the and the bullying, school bullying. I think I just wanted to, and, and having that acceptance, trying to be accepted into the cool kids of the school, and which I never was, obviously, Red Air and Freckles, as I've said. But it was just more of that, you know, I, I need to succeed. I need to succeed. And that, that went through my combat sports life. That went through my fatherhood. That's gone into my businesses. Um, so everything that I've done... I just have, have focused to, uh, to never fail. Yeah. Uh, who do you think is like the best fighter you've ever like, trained and coached? Oh, the best fighter? There's a, there's a lot of them. I'll, I'll probably have to say uh, one of the most outstanding fighters and most disciplined fighters would be Mark Hunt, um, who's a the yeah. Samoan Moan so, warrior. But um, yeah, he, he would, his mindset and the adversity that he had as a child and the fights that he had throughout his career... He would stand up to anyone and take on anyone, and that to me, when they talk about this word legend, that, and living legends or icons, Mark Hunt is an icon of MMA and combat world to me.
2: That's amazing. That's real. Do you reckon, like, um, if you're in your prime, like right now, and like, like, would you make, would you change anything in your life, like, for choices wise? Like, um, would you like pursue your um coaching, or would you like try be like? Perhaps a UFC fighter, maybe.
1: No, no well, I sort of. I, I'm not quite sure if I would change anything. I think the way my life has been, and as I say, I, I'm very luck, fortunate that I haven't had a nine to five job in 35 years. So I've that's just been so coaching hard. and traveling the world, so I, I probably wouldn't change anything. I, you know, I'll, obviously my children and everything else that's sort of fallen into place, and my family, close family, brother, and that. But I, you know, I would. I probably wouldn't change. That's amazing. Yeah. You, oh, sorry. For
2: also, like a personal question. Um, what's your thoughts on Pride, like Pride FC fighting? Pride, yeah, the Pride fighting.
1: Like well, that, yeah, back in the day, that's because Mark Hunt was a part of the Pride, and um, like, would you train him when he was doing Pride? Did you train him? With- no, nah, I, I, I sort of knew of him because we we fought a lot on the same cards as kids. But um, yeah, I, back in the day, there was a lot of different different fighters, and I was fighting myself, so I wasn't actually coaching. Uh, just training in that, going through that grind. Grinding every day—that's what it comes down to. And being obsessed with what you're doing in life, whether it's podcasting, whether it's reading the news, martial arts—you have to be obsessed and live that thing every single day of your life to be successful at it. In order to get, in order to get it, to get it
2: yeah. um,
0: has any of the fighters like come back from a loss, disappointed and wanting to stop like fighting? Um, how have you, if so, um, how would have you? Um,
1: Um, taught taught them to overcome it. Just to talk them through what... everyone, Everyone goes through a loss. And then a lot of fighters, when life is just about fighting for them, they think, winning is about everything but yeah. when they come off a loss you know they're going to be disappointed but you have to what i do is i turn some negatives around into a positive and said this is the positive things we achieved and obviously the negative things are what we let you down with so you've just got, it's all about words and everything else so adding on to that like what was like the biggest setback of your career uh, the biggest setback was probably my first ever loss because I thought you know I'd had so many fights and I hadn't lost I was like, man, I'm just indestructible and <laughs> and you you go and fight then you go and party then you do all this and next minute you have your first loss and I was like the whole world just fell down on me but you got to learn to accept the losses as a learning curve and then as long as you learn from those losses that's where you get better if you just think no I've done everything right and you don't learn then you'll never you'll never overcome those sort of little bits of adversity stuff. So, yeah anyone have any questions
2: i'm still anyone? like i'm still like just so speechless like hearing like just your backstory and everything like i'm just i'm just so shocked like.
1: i don't think you're speechless you've done all the talking um like, no unfortunately,
0: like nervous. unfortunately that's the end of our podcast um if you're tuning today um this is sunshine live fm in sunshine marketing place um i'm i'm the host filler and my co-host are Elias, Nucky, Tokes, Bucket, and Far, and our special guest today is Rich Fogarty. Fogarty. And thank you for tuning in. <laughs>